The following is a live presentation of the Commercial Appeal. I really like this team. I like their I like their attitude. I like the physicality which they're playing with. Um, I think this uh, you know we put ourselves in a position uh, to, to 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 get ready to take the next step, and the next step is is here on Saturday. And uh, you know people you know, I've been asked quite a bit about you know you know the the meaning of this game and the importance of this game. Uh, this is a huge game, no question about it. It's a huge game because it's the next game. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shad, Jeff Calkins, and Phil Stukenborg. What's up, y'all? Uh, Ole Miss week, week four, I guess week five, game four in week five for the University of Memphis. I uh, got the full cast back in studio, Jeff and Phil, um, Danny pushing the buttons, and we are joined on the phone right off the top here by a special guest, uh, Antonio Morales of the Clarion Ledger, uh, old B- Ole Miss beat reporter. Going to get a little Ole Miss um, flavor here right at the top. Antonio, thanks for joining us. How you guys doing? Not too bad, man. Hey, so the the big theme here, uh, at least kind of the sense, is that there's there's kind of a, a revenge theme down in Oxford, that after what happened last year, um, you know, the guys, people have said, fans have said, Hugh probably wants to put 100 on Memphis after what happened last year. Um, what is the sense that you get down there? Is is there um, anything to that, that that you think these guys want revenge? Well, the, uh, they were asked about it a lot yesterday, and Hugh Freeze said, He's not going to go into the game saying we have to do such and such because of what happened last year. He said he's not really big on revenge. Then you have guys like Johnny Youngblood, defensive end, who said he thinks revenge as a social motivation is kind of overrated. And um, so the the guys saying the guys are saying like they they're thinking about last year's game, but it's not like the first thing on their mind. It's not the reason they want to win this game is because what happened last year. Is there? It's it's funny. Like is Jeff Calkins here? Um, I I it is. I went to the uh, Hugh Fraser's. You know, one of his tour stop essentially in Memphis before the season began, and there was no question that um, it wasn't just Freeze. It was the AD who was asked about this, and he said he got untold messages like stop playing memphis stop playing memphis stop playing memphis and people were truly unhappy they just don't want to lose to what they perceive to be an inferior program and hugh is not above put like we saw him at arkansas state I, I guess i it's clearly not the main motivation the main motivation is to win but don't you believe deep down they would like there's a little sting at least left from last year yeah probably a little bit uh i know Gerald mcdowell was asked if they took it personal, just how the offense, how Memphis's offense has handled Ole Miss's defense towards the end of the game last year, and he said, "Yeah, it's a little." So we do take it a little personal. Then he went on to say how um, they're not thinking about the past, but uh, but he did say that that it was a little personal how how they were handled against Memphis last season. Um, I'm sure there's there's a little part of them that probably wants revenge, even though they're not saying it. I mean, I imagine they would. Antonio, this is Phil Stukenborg. I was going to ask you something about uh, switch gears a little bit, and let's talk about Chad Kelly. Uh, we knew last year, uh, Jeff and I, I think we're down at the uh, media day for Ole Miss, and uh, wasn't quite certain if Chad was going to be the starter, according to the coaches talking, but everyone kind of knew yeah. he was going to emerge. How much better do you think he's been in, uh, during the course of the first four games of the season? Uh, 
I mean, especially last week, he was he played awesome last week, and um, he's been good just when he's protected the ball. Um, he's had his moments where he's turned it over. It's really cost the team against Alabama. Led the fourteen, led the fourteen points, and they lost by five. Um, he gave Florida State two two short fields in the second half, which which really hurt, um, and was one of the reasons they blew a, a twenty two point lead. Um, so he's been good when he's been protecting the ball. He's been amazing. I mean, he's he has good receivers to throw the ball to, and they really helped him out on Saturday against Georgia. Um, but it's when he's not protecting the ball, and when him and the team get in trouble, they're they're zero and two whenever he turns the ball over, and two and zero, and when he doesn't turn it over. Um, but he's been playing well overall. But he's he's has to do a lot though, um, just considering the running game. Is what it is, and for running by position lacks depth. Um, so you figure once he, with all that pressure on him, some turnovers are going to happen. What is the overall sense? Obviously, the the start of the schedule there was pretty brutal with Florida State, Alabama, but then you really beat up on on Georgia there last week. What what is the sense? I guess around the team in terms of of confidence and just how the season's gone so far. Do you feel like this team is kind of Maybe not comfortable with where it's at, but but at least confident here moving forward. Yeah, uh, I think they're confident moving forward. Um, they said they didn't lose confidence uh, after the one and two start. But they said that the Georgia win kind of helped, kind of helped restore the way things were um, when you beat a number eleven team in the country. When you you beat them by thirty one and you're and you're leading by forty five. Um, so I think they're kind of pleased with where they're at right now. And if, if they were to get a win this weekend. It would help. It would help them kind of build some momentum heading into the bye week um, with two straight wins. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. How do you see uh, the game unfolding Saturday? What do you What do you think is going to happen? I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I think Ole Miss is going to put a lot of points on the board. They put a, they put a lot of points on the board against everybody. Um, I think their secondary is going to get tested. Um, the secondary's been improved the past couple of weeks, but it's still really young. Um, and that's the thing. Um, the secondary is young, but I mean, in the SEC, there's not many really great quarterbacks that are going to be able to take advantage of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they match up with Riley Ferguson, um, Memphis quarterback, and how they match up. Obviously, they've been putting points on everybody. Um, so I think it's going to be a high scoring affair on on um, Saturday with, with Ole Miss 7th Edge, I believe. Cool. Well, thanks again for joining us, Antonio. Uh, you can read all about. Um Ole Miss here in the in the week leading up, uh, ClarionLedger.com. Antonio, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yep. So I think it's interesting. I mean, the revenge thing has got to be a factor. It's huge. Right. It's, I mean, it's not just that they were beaten last year. Beaten on national uh, television. I mean, every SEC game is back then, national television. But it was a signature game that people noticed. Um, it was embarrassing to Hugh Freeze, who – you know, was spent a good deal of his life here in Memphis. And then not only that, Robert Kandichi gets hurt. Um, let's be honest. They weren't happy with the headline in this newspaper. Ole Miss the people photo. were or not the happy photo. with the photo. The photo. With yeah. the photo in the newspaper. <laughs> the, combination. The, the play of the photo. What was the, the headline? No, it was the whole thing. It was, it was like smash hit. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, it was a borderline insensitive headline. And it was a, um, the, the, like the whole thing, like they were, they were sent home with their tail between their legs. They were. And so the idea that it's not meaningful to them, maybe not meaningful to a first-year player or whatever, but of course they want to put 
Of course they want to put 50 on Memphis. I have no doubt they want to put 50 on Memphis. And Hugh Freeze is not going to lay up, let up if they're in a position to do so until they do. Now, does that, in a way, because I've been thinking about so kind of how that game unfolded last year. I thought it was interesting. The turning point seemed to me when Ole Miss was up by 14, they go for it on fourth and one or something in the red zone instead of taking the points. It seemed to me like Freeze was pressing a little bit and wanting to kind of put up the score. Do you think that that wanting revenge and everything that we just talked about could actually work to Memphis's benefit in that way that they could they could press a little bit more or do you think that's bad news for for Memphis if they want revenge? I don't think it makes any difference. I don't I I think um I don't think Ole Miss is going to be so anxious for revenge that they are going to come like a boxer coming out swinging wildly yep. and open itself to a counter punch. I don't I, I don't. I don't believe that at all. First of all, they're in their home crowd. If things right. go badly, they'll have their home crowd behind them. Sure. I mean, I don't. I don't see. I'll just say it. I don't see Memphis winning this game. I think Ole Miss is really good. They've played Alabama, Florida State, um, and Georgia. Smashed Georgia. Um, put up huge points, and then obviously fell apart. To me, it's 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 uh, the key is if you're going to beat them, it very clearly will involve turnovers, which plays to a Memphis strength. It'll be interesting to see. Do we believe that that turnover thing that the Grizzlies that the that the Grizzlies was immediate day yesterday <laughs> that the Tigers they also force have historically forced turnovers that they that they force turn Do we believe that that is something that's sustainable? Because that is to me, it's the the two weaknesses are Omis's secondary. And Chad Kelly's penchant for putting turning the ball over fit perfectly with Memphis's strengths, which is they can strike deep and fast, mm-hmm. and they have been taking the ball away. That's how they would beat them were they to beat them. But I don't see Ole Miss unraveling because of their 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 in a hurry to clobber Memphis. That would be a great story, Tom. I think we should write yeah. that this week. <laughs> Something I'm working on. But uh, the other thing is when when Memphis has uh, has won. Uh, back-to-back games. It's been with talent like D'Angelo Williams um, back in the 10 or so years ago. Uh, they only won in Oxford back in the 90s. That's the first time they'd won. Ole Miss still leads this series like 48 to 10 or 11. So there's, it, it, yeah, there's still that thought that we we are better. And, and this is, I don't think there's going to be, a, you know, a situation where Memphis is going to come in there and have a, a chance to, I don't know, just kind of do what they've done last year. Um, I mean, you know, it's a football game, so you never know. And and we obviously saw in Memphis 77-point explosion that you saw something you needed to see, which was – you don't need to see 77 points, but you need to see an efficient offensive performance. Uh, you need to see Dorland Dorsius get on track. You needed to see the offensive line show some y- 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 ability to protect Riley Ferguson. You needed to see all those things. And so to me, that if you had asked me before last week, I would have thought it would have been more one-sided. At least Memphis has shown that they have a the capacity to play a complete game, have figured it out, on started to figure it out on the offensive side of things. But let's not forget, before Justin Fuente... Um, beat Ole Miss, like down in Oxford, it was close. It was close because the defense was unbelievably good and he played it close to the vest and they sort of kept it close. But, but, but it, it was also an unbelievably physical game. It was. And you, you remember that uh, Dorsius went out early in that game, right. which would have maybe helped a, a lot. But yet, I think that showed that showed a lot at that point with that team and it made it showed part, growth. Yeah. And it could have been part of a turning point of that season and how things turned around. And it was a loss. It was a loss, but it still showed you something. And that's a possibility right. here that you could 
emerge and I'm not condemning them to lose. I think they, you know, they could, I'm not, again, I'm not saying they can't win, but that loss was a loss, not unlike the UCLA loss, which sort of gave you faith that things were going in the right way for Memphis. And I don't foreclose that as a possibility that they could lose in a way that makes you still feel pretty good about them as they go into the conference season. What do you think? I'm interested in the dynamic. And I know you asked coach Norvell after the game coming off of, Obviously, they haven't played anybody very good to this point in the season, but coming off a 74-point win, I saw Paul Meyerberg of USA Today said that was the largest margin of victory, FBS team versus FBS team, since 2003, the 74-point win. How does that change the dynamic, like going from a game like that where you, I mean, the game was over like eight minutes into the first quarter. I mean, it was already so lopsided. How does that change the dynamic? Like, do you think, because on the one hand, like I, I think it gives them a lot of confidence. Like they, they feel right. invincible, but that could also kind of backfire. I think it's what I think. Coach Norvell answered this. I think perhaps even in the answer to that question, it's about, and you've said it before too. Like what happens when adversity strikes? Like when right. was Justin Fuente and this te- and the, and that team? When were they at their best? When, when they had to be. Right. That was the, the in the end, the hallmark of last year was whether it was against Cincinnati or whether it was against Bowling Green or like whenever they were challenged, they go down to Ole Miss, they go down like they responded. Right. And because they had this, I do believe, this deep belief in themselves and it enables you to respond. And I think what the three wins and then in particularly the 77, the you know, 74 point win and everything, I think it's what Novell said was. It helps build trust. You're doing what he says. It's producing success. We trust it. We do it over again. And so when they will be tested, which they will be finally this week, it gives them a reservoir of trust to draw on. Will that be enough? I don't know. But I think that's what it does for them. It stretches back to even the year before that, I think, with the with the Miami Beach Bowl, where they kind of picked up and they, they handled the adversity pretty well. Uh, we were talking to Chris Ball after practice, and I think one thing he said was when this staff came in, they took over a team that was, you know, again, pretty well stocked. So I think that they they may carry some of that over, that uh, knowing how to deal with adversity. I think you may see some of that Saturday. It is. It's interesting to me just the the schedule. Not that I feel like I'm always harping on like the schedule and how it's played it's out. It's terrible like, the way this is going to play out, though. Like to have this and then to have. And then to have Temple, Temple. on Thursday, it's a, that's not good. Well, and just I'm thinking, you know, last year, so last year entering the Ole Miss game, they had played Bowling Green, which was nuts. Then they had played Cincinnati, which was nuts. So they had withstood two pretty good tests. And then people forget about that USF game. Like, they did not run away right. with the USF game. Like, they had to battle to hold on to that. And then they had a bye week entering it. So, like, just in terms of circumstances, like with the schedule— Everything laid out pretty pretty well. Like they had, they had gained the confidence of having been through adverse games. They had an extra week to prepare with the bye week. Like this is just a completely different. Like I don't know if I would say it's polar opposite, but just in terms of circumstances, I mean it's just a completely different setup. And yeah, then, and and it's funny while while I said that 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 Memphis's strengths in a way hook up nicely with Ole Miss's weaknesses. I will also say that Ole Miss's strengths. Um, also hook up very nicely to, to Memphis's weaknesses, which is, um, I mean, they've got a tremendous defensive line, just mm-hmm. a tremendous defensive line, unbelievable speed up front. And we know probably the biggest weakness, obviously the only one sack, I think this past, past week, mm-hmm. um, but um, has been the offensive line. So Ole Miss can, might be able to be in a position where they can just wreak havoc on, on Riley Ferguson. And then, 
Um, and their wide receivers are so good. Like, it's funny. Memphis only gave up three points the other night. But early on, like, there were some wide – there was like, the secondary was challenged in a way that – now, Bowling Green was dropping the ball and everything else. But the secondary is better. But is it, like, Ole Miss better? That will be a huge challenge because Ole Miss's receivers are just out of this world. And so how will Memphis and this and this improved secondary hold up? Well, the thing that I, I was struck with, like, I watched part of the, the – Ole Miss Florida State game on TV is like all of Ole Miss's game or uh, wide receivers are huge. They're huge. But they're gigantic. And Memphis's biggest corner, I think, is Dontrell Nelson. He's like 6'1, 6'2. Like Arthur Mallette, for as good as he's been, and he's been terrific in the first three games, is a, is still a 5'10 guy. So you got him going up against, you know, a 6'5. Right. Big receivers. Yeah. I mean, it's just a completely different. And then the offensive line. I mean, they beat the hell out of Georgia's quarterback. They did. Just beat the hell out of him. So right. we know that Riley Ferguson. Is and it's funny because I was it's what I don't mean to blow my what I said in the after the first game was I like Riley Ferguson because the good things I think he can keep doing and I think he can stop doing I think the bad things I think that he things that he can stop doing and we've seen it like he stopped mm-hmm. doing those things he started throwing the ball away stopped throwing picks whatever else but it's it's a different thing to to not do those bad things when you have Ole Miss bearing down on you. And the offensive line continues to shuffle. I know that's been a theme all season, yeah. but they've got their new, according to the depth chart that they put out yesterday, um, left guard is Dustin Woodard, who's a true freshman and who has been good but came in as, as a center. Um, not a small guy. I guess just relative to everybody around him, he, he looks a little bit smaller. He's like 6'2", 285. Um, and then they're, they've bumped Gabe Kuhn, who's playing right tackle into right guard, and are starting Jace Neville, who got his first career start two weeks ago or whatever. At right tackle, so there's still a lot of flux in that position. They got Zach Collins back, which which helps, you know, and he's kind of providing depth there, left guard. Why isn't he starting? I think it's just a matter of time, personally. But I mean, we'll 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 see. You know, I don't know if he's he's fully back, worked into where he can play yeah. 70, 80 snaps. Um, but it is interesting that there's still some some shuffling, and that was I thought one of the keys to that Ole Miss game was that they just put Chris Roberson, who I don't know had maybe he had started I, he had started against Bowling Green because Taylor Fallon was was injured. But they put him out there at left guard for the first time. And that ended up being a huge part of the game, I thought, because he was blocking Kim Dietschy. He was just putting like a larger body in front of Kim Dietschy. So I'll be interested to see what they do on the offensive line, who they put up there, what kind of combination they go with, and then if they can have any success against that. Because that D-line is pretty good. You know, you look, you had Chris Roberson at right tackle who had been playing guard, and, and that has to be a, a difficult transition. You're dealing with so much more open space. Uh, different techniques, your you know your kick out slide, just the way you have to block. There's so many things that uh, you just wonder how that all fit in, and what what will he have, and what are the five people that he wants to be there uh, that have shown, uh, I guess, the the best propensity to play and play well. And, so that's that's what we're. And and then to me, the other thing is is let's not forget the the other reason that they they won last year was that Paxton Lynch had the game of his life. Like he was unbelievable. That was the game in retrospect when Lee Steinberg uh, first showed up to uh, the first game of of Paxton's that he'd seen. And you go back and you look at some of those highlights and some of the throws he made. I mean, he was far and away the best player on the field. And um, and so it'll be a test. I mean, it'll be, it is interesting. How good do you think Riley Ferguson is? Remember before the season began, the whole thing was game manager, just right. not make mistakes, blah, blah, blah. Now he's thrown for six touchdowns and a half and running for another. How good is Riley Ferguson? You know what, you know what impressed me last weekend, and you, you may see other things uh, from him, but his ability to – he had a better sense in the pocket. 
and he seemed to step up and make some good throws. I think especially the one might have been to Sam Kraft uh, or either late to Roderick Proctor. Proctor, Proctor yeah, yeah, that was the one. I just noticed that he, he felt the pressure, and he just calmly stepped up and and avoided it and made a great throw. Right. The, by the way, is there any uh, subplot with Jannard Avery who's been tremendous? Like, he's been tremendous. Is there any subplot? Are you, have you gotten him this week? Have they made him available? We we talked to him uh, after the game on, on Saturday, and he we asked him a bunch of questions about Ole Miss, and he, I mean, he just smiled. Right, wasn't going and, there. <laughs> yeah, he was not touching it with a 10-foot pole. And I still don't know. He, like, Jannard is one of the nicest kids, and I think he's just still so embarrassed by what happened. And I still don't know, like, the full story with, with that, but he just seems so embarrassed and, like, there there's no lingering Right. thing like he's just trying to laugh it just, off and just try to get but put it behind him he's been great him. obviously yeah and he's been he's been terrific so far this season so um all right so do any of us think that they're gonna win do we think it what what are we expecting i guess the same question that i asked antonio like what are we expecting how's the game gonna play play out i think it'll be uh i think memphis will score some uh but i mean this is Listen, you can go either of two ways here. You can say the obvious thing, which is Ole Miss is going to win because a Ole Miss almost always wins these games because they're a ranked team because they clobbered Georgia. Or you can be, you know, ooh, I, you know, you can be go out on a limb and say Memphis is going to win. But no, no one knows. Like I didn't think Memphis was going to win last year. I thought Memphis was going to get murdered last year. And after Ole Miss goes up fourteen nothing, I really thought Ole Miss was going to get murdered last year, and they didn't. I think Memphis is going to get murdered again. Not murdered, but I think Ole Miss will cover. Because I think they want to cover. I think Hugh Freeze wants to cover. And so I'll say it's going to be 43 to 17, something like that, you know, but, but 41 to 17. I think it'll be 41 to 17 because I don't think they want to stop scoring. I think those receivers are really good. But can I imagine a scenario where we get in the second half and Chad Kelly's turning it over and Riley Ferguson's doing exactly what he did? Yeah, I can imagine that scenario. But if, if you ask me what I think will happen, I, yeah, it's like 41 17, something like that. Phil? Yeah, I'll go back to something Jeff said earlier. Just you know, you had Paxton Lynch on the field last year. You have now you have Riley Ferguson making his third or his fourth start at this level. I think that just comes into play at some point. And and the receivers. If you watch some of that Georgia game last week with Ole Miss, Kelly put balls right where he needed to be to his his much taller receivers. And and there was no way the defensive backs for Georgia could could defend it. I mean, there was he just put it in the right spot. So we'll have an opportunity to do more of that. Uh, Saturday, so yeah, it'll, it'll be very difficult. I think it'll be a little bit closer. I mean, they'll probably still. What's the line at now? Thirteen and a half or fourteen, something like that. I mean, they'll probably still cover, but I think it'll be a little bit closer. Um, just because I think, I mean, you mentioned the turnovers. I think Memphis. I think the turnover thing is going to continue. Like I think that a lot of that, and you know, Phil's going to have something on that here in the next couple of days. I think a lot of that is just positioning. Uh, you know that guys seem to be in the right spot. You think on, it's, on it's, it's aggressiveness. It's mindset. It's coaching. It's coaching. It's, it's it's coaching. But it's also just guys being in the right place at the right time. And so if a mistake happens, you know I like their odds of getting a couple turnovers in this game. Now, is that going to mean like my my big thing too is like is Riley then not going to turn the ball over? Or are they not going to have turnovers on the offense? Like are they not going to have a couple fumbles? You know, so I don't. I don't think. I think that's why. I think they'll. The defense will force a couple turnovers, but I. I wouldn't be surprised. If the well, and let's bef- even before if you you came before we because we've talked so much about Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I would like to just revel in a moment in last Saturday. It was un- let's just revel for let's a moment. Like it was because we haven't talked that much about that win and and it, it, it you as you pointed out it was historic and for long suffering Memphis fans who haven't suffered so much the last few years. 
it is really fun to be on that side of it. Um, it was, um, again, I heard some complaints about the crowd. I thought the crowd was perfectly fine. 38,000. I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, and, uh, and it's just like, I mean, Phil, like you sat through a lot of, you, you sat through years where 77 points was about half the season. There was a Rip Shear year where that was the whole season, 77. (laughs) (laughs) There was, uh, yeah, it was, it was something to see. The other thing that, uh, that Tom pointed out in his story Sunday was, this is hard to imagine, but if you look back, they're three and oh. They were three and oh last year to start the season. That hadn't happened since nineteen twenty eight. Right. I mean consecutive back to back. Consecutive back to back three and oh starts. And that's now, some that, of that goes because you oftentimes you used to open with Ole Miss, Ole Miss or Mississippi State absolutely. or whatever else and then But occasionally you'd get a you know, you'd knock them off or but even even back in the fifties you weren't maybe playing right. them and you still weren't winning. Yeah, it's so. back when you were playing Somerville High School yeah. and, uh, and Millen- the Memphis, Memphis Navy. Navy. Right. Exactly. What, what did we decide was that, was, that was that was just like the I'm sure it was a team out of the base, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Team out of the base. Most people thought that was an error in your story. <laughs> they thought you Memphis twice. Right. The Memphis Navy, yeah. Well, anyways, it'll be exciting to uh Interesting, rather, to see how it unfolds here Saturday. Um, we Do you want to clear up the TV hand. thing? Should we clear up the TV thing? Oh, should we? We haven't mentioned the TV. My understanding of the TV thing is yep. that tonight, Tuesday, is when the, the World Hockey Championship continues. Yep. If it ends Thursday, it's two out of three. Mm-hmm. If Canada wins tonight and Thursday, then Memphis will be on ESPN2. If it goes to a game three, which will be Saturday, then Memphis will be pushed to SEC alternate. People have asked me about that. That so is exactly, correct. yep. And we've made note of that somewhere. Yeah. But, yeah, okay. good to reinforce that. Um, stay tuned. We will be back uh, chat with you all next week. Thanks for listening. Like the Commercial Appeal on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Memphis News. This is the Commercial Appeal.